Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participation restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to Talk of the Tune, a Newcastle United podcast. My name is Will, and this week I'm joined by my good pals and co-hosts, Ali and Hodge. You hurry, lads? Yo, yo, yo. Oh, I want to be upbeat with this one, boys, but <laughs> we'll try. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Yeah, must have short-term memory loss, you. I think you're forgetting the, <laughs> what happened last weekend. I've, I don't know what happened yesterday, but uh, I'm just thinking, I'm still living on the weekend. Hodge, we welcome you back from your... Honeymoon. How what was Mauritius? What did you say, Ali? <laughs> I just, I just made a woof noise, you know. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> catchy. I was like, what? Is he all right? You see that meme where it's like when you let your intrusive thoughts win. Yeah, that's just Ali all the time. They are every single time. How was Mauritius like? Absolutely fantastic. I would recommend anyone to go there. It was yeah. Unreal time away and much needed R and R since I hadn't had a holiday since like well furlough I'll class furlough as holiday. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by you not had a holiday? Because I remember you going to Poland not long not long ago. I suppose longer than anything that's been like a, a long weekend that's been forecast by the government for you. I've never actually right. been on a holiday for a while, like an actual full week off or more. All right, there you go. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. But it was good. I enjoyed listening to you guys. Chat shit behind me back on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were, I'd say it was fairly balanced. I yeah, think. I would say so. Yeah, it was more jealousy than anything. <laughs> yeah. Monsieur Fraser, how are you doing? What have you been up to? Any updates since international break? Uh, no updates since international break. No, Boring. just... Uh, I know, I know. I sadly haven't been on the holiday or on a honeymoon, uh, much to my other half's disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Obviously, uh, Newcastle United getting the win on the weekend was great. And then, as some people have been saying, brought back to reality after yesterday. But I'm doing all right. How about you, Will? Are you okay? Not really used to people asking me who I am. It's very strange. Who, who you are? Or how you are? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. See, this is why I, I'm really not used to it. I'm not used to people asking how I am. Uh, I'm good, thank you, Ali. I was in Newcastle last weekend, and interesting fact about me, started French lessons again yesterday, so... Are you going to... Madison! Are you going to PSG away? Uh, no. Oh. No. Oh, okay. Just what you learned it for then. <laughs> Self-betterment. Because learning French just to go to an away game is definitely a sensible thing to do, isn't it? Well, I don't know. We could have died in Milan when we went to Milan. So I think knowing a bit of French will help. 
Yeah, true, Ali. I mean, it was really useful you knowing how to ask, please, can I have, and two beers was was very useful. Really <laughs> saved right. us from a lot of trouble. Grazie mille. <laughs> Prego. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we all did French for quite a long time. It seems like a bit of a waste to get to my age and not really have anything to show for it. So let's try and get fluent. There you go. I'll keep you all updated. Good luck. And thanks, mate. Bon chance, you mean. Thank you. Um, enough of that shite. <laughs> Quite a lot to talk about. Obviously, we've been away for a wee while while there was international break, and personal life has gotten in the way of probably us recording anything until now, but we're recording a day after the Borussia Dortmund game, and we've got a couple of matches to talk about. So we've got Crystal Palace, um, who we absolutely thumped 4-0 over the weekend, and then we've obviously got the disappointing result in the Champions League. On top of that, we've obviously got the news that Sandro Tonali is set to receive a ban from football linked to his gambling offences in Italy, but that's all to come, isn't it? I guess chronological order, we should probably crack on with the Palace game. Start on a on a slightly more upbeat note. And I should probably kick off, shouldn't I? Seeing as I was fucking there. Oh, of course. So obviously, Gray sends his apologies today, but I was there with him over the weekend at the Palace game. As I said beforehand, I'm usually a bit of a bad luck charm. I'm usually a bit of a sucker for a nil-nil draw, but I think that's usually when I go with Hodgie. The trick is going with Gray, because blimey, what a bloody game that was. Hodge, were you watching from the sandy beaches, or were you in Dubai at that point? You were back by then, weren't you? I was back. I watched it in my house. Oh, you did. You did. Good lad. Yeah, sorry. And Ali, you were watching as well? I was, yes. I was watching at the comfort of my sofa. Oh, lovely. Well, yeah, what a bloody game. I mean, atmosphere, as usual, was very good. I was very disappointed I didn't get the similar flag display that they, they had at uh, St. James' Park yesterday for the Dortmund game. But what a result, though. Oh, my goodness. 4-0. I'll be going back soon, I think. Maybe I finally got my lucky shirt. I'll be wearing that again. But <laughs> what a start we got off to. Quite a few changes in the team. We saw the very welcome return of Joe Linton in the middle of the park. And a bit of a different one. But we saw Jacob Murphy start on the right-hand side, coming in for Miggy Almiron but which turned out to be an absolute masterstroke because I think he had the best game of his Newcastle United career, popping up with a fantastic goal that I don't think was fully meant and two brilliant assists. So goals on the day from Jacob Murphy, Anthony Gordon, rewarded for very, very good display yet again. We saw a goal from Sean Longstaff, then Callum Wilson to pop up to get the fourth. The only annoying thing is, Gray had 4-0 Newcastle win and Callum Wilson, anytime goal scorer. So he walked away with a lump sum as well. But I don't know, Hodge, do you want to kick us off seeing as you've been away for a little while? Might be a bit rusty, but what were your thoughts on the performance overall from Newcastle? Pretty good. I think Palace didn't really turn up on the day, but I think we definitely played them off the park regardless, even if they did, turned up well. Um, Murphy just seemed a little bit different. He had an absolute step to his game. Looked alert, looked alive. He's brilliant. Gordon, again, just showing his quality. His speed is just ridiculous. I think that's been one of the one of the most impressive things I've seen about him. Like he just the, the way that he can cover ground if he loses the ball, gets back, defends, and then absolutely dangerous on the attack. I thought mm. an all-round, well-rounded display from the boys, that one. It was indeed. I mean, there wasn't a player that put really a foot wrong in that whole game. I think their left back, is it Tyreek Mitchell? We'll still probably be having nightmares now. Yeah, Jacob Murphy was fantastic on the day. As I say, pops up with two assists as well as his goal. That was a cross. Are we going to call that a cross or a shot? I think cross it's definitely a shot, cross, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely don't think he meant it. And how the the officials thought that was offside was was uh, was bonkers. But four minutes in, really set the pace and set the tone for the game. I think 
that Kieran Trippier having an absolutely fantastic game again. It really surprises me every time I watch that lad, how good he is in person, in real life. I don't think watching him on the telly really gives him, really does him full justice. But Ali, I mean, really important, especially now, we'll come on to it later, but the Sandro Tonali impending ban. It's really good to have Joe Linton in particular back into the team, isn't it? Yeah, it was good to see him back on the pitch on Saturday. Again, he's just got that presence in the midfield that I think offers a bit of, you know, something different to what Bruno and Sean Longstaff do. And obviously, I guess we'll come on when we talk about the Dortmund game, but also seeing Willick come back as well is also Mm. a good sight for our team as well. But I thought, yeah, Mm -hmm. Joe Linton, he was a big miss beforehand. um, But now that we've got depth, Obviously, we've been in a great place, but to see him back, obviously, now with the pending ban for Tonali, yeah, it's great to have him back in the squad, really. Although, a bit shaky last night, but as I say, we'll touch on that uh, a little bit later. Indeed, indeed. I mean, I think that 4-0 result, obviously coupled with the 8-0 hammering of Sheffield United, there'll be no surprises, but we are the highest scoring team in the Premier League this season, I think, so far. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Always good to fact check. Hodge, I mean, they're not coming from any one particular player. Are you quite pleased to see goals coming from all areas of the pitch? We forget as well that people like Harvey Barnes are are injured and out for a long time, but it doesn't seem to be really impacting. It's one thing we were probably calling out for last year, right? It was just goals, contributions coming from more players on the pitch. Yeah, 100%. And it's quite funny because in the past, it's always been like, who is going to get us that kind of like 12 to 15 goals this season? And it's it's always been let's rely on one person, but now with the goals coming from every which way, it definitely I suppose levels the playing field for who has to carry the team in different areas. So there's not necessarily that mega pressure of a striker going at the game being like shit. I need to get a goal today. Yeah. He's got that kind of backing of oh well the defenders are popping up with some, the midfielders are popping up with some. Get in like I, I do I can focus on my game a little bit more without that stress of. All eyes, all eyes watching, really, which is which is good, and I think there's quite a lot of teams in the Premier League right now who would be crying out for this kind of look. Well, would I say look? Not really look, because we we'll work hard for it, really. But make your own. Yeah, luck, you? you do make your own look. So I think, yeah, we're we're very blessed at the minute. I would say. I mean, I'm just looking at it now. I think top scorers this season. Yeah, you've got goals coming from all over the place. I don't know if this is think, just is the it league. Isaac? Yeah, yeah, Isaac's number one with seven. Wilson five. Tony Gordon, three. Longstaff, three. Almoron, three. Dan Byrne, two. I don't know if this is a... Is that across all competitions? I can't tell. It must be because... Must oh, be. When Fabian Scher scored in the Prem? Anyway, moral of the story, fantastic goal return across the board and it's really taken the pressure off two who are turning out to be quite injury-prone strikers, right? It's good to have the luxury of goals coming from all over the pitch. I mean, goals per 90 as well. You're looking at Alexander Isaac, according to BBC Sport. 0.87 and then you got Callum Wilson 1.04 it's not a bad bloody return is it a goal <laughs> averaged what's that every 90 one love it madness 86 minutes per goal the he is Rolls Royce player that puts us up to sixth in the premiership now people don't call it the premiership anymore do they <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm still caught in the 90s reminiscent of like the Subutio days called yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> that was a fucking rogue shout. Um, I mean, Ali, <laughs> up to six in the Prem now. Uh, yep. I think obviously we, we had our shakes at the beginning of the season when we went on that poor run of losing to a City in the Cup, Liverpool, then obviously uh, Brighton after that. Obviously a bit of a rock to the confidence against Dortmund. But if we focus on the Premier League alone, 
are you a bit more optimistic now? Do you think that we're still in that fight for top four spot and Champions League automatic places? For me, I'd be really happy with a top six finish. I certainly think we're still on track if we want to get top four. I definitely think we've got the harder games out of the way nice and early. Liverpool at home, mm. City away. I know we've got Arsenal in two weeks' time, um, but you know that's at home for us. And looking at the next couple of fixtures, I do fancy our chances in most of those. Wolves, I know they're quite good at the minute, but again, I, I can see us coming away with a win there. But yeah, I think if we keep ourselves grounded and we stick to the game plan, I think we can certainly get some results from those games. Mm. But as we're seeing, we're just being hampered quite a bit through injuries primarily. And uh, again, it gets to the point where we hit international period and I'm like, all right, okay. Gives us an extra couple of weeks for our players to to get uh, injury free. But I think for the next couple of games though, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I think so. Hodge, do you have anything to build on that? Thoughts on kind of where we'll end the season? I know it's very early days, but what's what's your optimism looking like? Well, I think we're two points ahead, aren't we? Uh, currently, as we stand compared to last season at this stage. So if we can keep ahead by two points at all times, it makes it a little bit comfortable a more comfortable end into the yeah, season true. than it was last time when Liverpool mm. were, were chasing us down pretty hard. I'm confident. I don't know about top four, but I'd, I think a, a top six would definitely make me happy to have, again, some European football to look through to next year. Yeah, I mean, you say us being two points ahead at this stage. It's not necessarily about us, is it? It's about the teams around us that are now yeah. starting to turn things on, obviously. Like last season, Liverpool really weren't that convincing, but they find themselves in fourth this season. Obviously, got Spurs top of the table nosebleed territory for them I don't think they've lost a game all season it's getting which is what we say every flipping season it's getting more competitive mm. so I think we're really going to have to fight for that Villa obviously doing really well under Unai Emery little did they know they do well after that opening day defeat to us but yeah I, I think it's going to be really challenging and I think top four again for us this season would be a huge achievement so I think I'm probably in the same bracket as, as you Ali uh, that you know you'd be happy with a fifth or sixth providing we do well in the Champions League and progress beyond our, our group. But we're only nine mm. games in, plenty more to go. What's that? 29 more games of the season. Could go any bloody way, couldn't it? Yeah. Crazy one. But yeah, obviously a, a fantastic result. I was very, very happy to be there. Can't wait to go back again. It was just a, a great, yeah, just a great day, really. And hopefully we can carry that on, as you say, into the Wolves match, which is this weekend, a couple of days time now. God. Fixtures are coming thick and fast now, aren't they? Speaking of, obviously yesterday we faced our latest of the European giants, Borussia Dortmund at home to St. James's Park. Hodgie, you were there, you jammy bastard. Ali, you were there for PSG, weren't you? Yes. And I get the fucking ball draw in Milan. <laughs> Hodge, I know you've had quite a few thoughts on the atmosphere in particular. Do you want to kind of kick us off? Because obviously a lot of build-up, a lot of expectation... What were your thoughts on the atmosphere at St. James's? Well, we've all been to at least one Champions League game then, oh, hey. so that's good. But at the start, very good. The fl- the um, war flags outdid themselves again. A fantastic kind of display all around the stadium. Sorry, I didn't see that, Will. <laughs> <laughs> and the Dortmund fans are definitely there to give it a go as well. Brought their, a couple of drums, not just one drum, This uh, like PSG fans did. They brought everything. They actually had some fans in the Milburn stand down right at the front, which apparently is hospitality tickets now for Champions League, which is very, very strange seeing people celebrating. Not did. Yeah, right down by the dugout. Very mm. strange to see them celebrating when they scored, but that's where it kind of stopped. 
we were singing for a couple of minutes in the first, and then it was all Dortmund. Like the singing sections mm-hmm. of Newcastle definitely let us down massively last night. There was zero atmosphere. No one was singing. There was very muted rumblings going on. If we had a good chance, it was everyone got up and, and had a bit of a roar, and then it was set, sit down and watch again. There was no constant noise. The only constant noise was Dortmund banging boom, their drum boom, away boom, and singing. Yeah. I think they only sung about three songs. <laughs> all all three songs lasted for 30 minutes at a time, pretty much. It was, was just the say. same the yeah. same stuff, and it was really annoying the shit out of me at one point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like they outshone themselves a little bit on the pitch and also give themselves a really good representation in, in the crowd. Um, good showing. I think we hopefully we can replicate something like that when we go to... I'd love us to have a fucking drum. Just get give us a drum so we can dictate. On the away day? <laughs> I, on a fucking home day, home. I don't care. Just get, get us something that we can have a constant drum or a constant noise or anything going because bringing their drums for them and them just having a, an absolute fucking ball of a time yeah. made it for them. It made it made them feel like they were playing at a home game. We want MC Tazo in the Gallagher end. But a new monkey. But a new monkey and we're laughing. That's it. Oh fuck it. hell! That's right, crack me up. That we call it. We call it war drums. War drums. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, works on two levels, like a war drum. Yeah, there you oh, go. Okay, now genius is what we are like. Oh, look at uh, this! I'm just looking on the web on Newcastle's website. Our next two games are actually both on Sky Sports, which is class. Wolves mm. and uh, Arsenal. Man United. Oh, no, Man Arsenal's United. after that. Oh, that must. Yeah. Okay. Whichever fucking way they fall, whatever. It's really disappointing to hear that, Hodge, because obviously it looks such a spectacle. I thought the tifos and the flags in the stands yes they were better than psg personally it just looks fantastic you know when they spell out the chants i think that's that's amazing yeah but yeah you could tell it was a bit flat from the players because a number of times you see an anthony gordon doing his typical thing mm-hmm. where he's you know running around like spinning his arms around kind of like g up the crowd and stuff like that's really i think what got us through against psg it was like the atmosphere was was i know we talk about a lot 12th man but it did seem to be missing that yesterday i don't know whether that's fatigue i don't know what it is but you know we were quite under the cosh i felt from dortmund quite early on um it was great did say nowhere near as good as the psg he was like that was not even a fifth of what psg was which is interesting isn't it it was worse than some premier league games straight up that's mad, that isn't it? Like, I don't know wh- why is it suddenly fallen off. I mean, it was pretty miserable and pretty dreary, but I think maybe because we had such a, a rapid start against PSG, it got everyone on side. Whereas, as you say, it was quite nervy in the first half against Dortmund, and I think they quite rightly got their first goal and, and won the first half. You should say they had chances, we had chances. I think they have the woodwork to thank, don't they, Ali? It was like a twelfth man for them. I can't believe that ball didn't go in. Yeah, it was frustrating. And I think even when I hopped on Twitter, I came across the Dortmund Twitter page and they did a video of thumbs upping the crossbar and hailing it the man of the match. And obviously when you're just so close towards the end and, you know, this is the magic of the Champions League. I mean, look, yeah, you saw it in the Man United Bayern Munich Champions League final how many years ago that was now. And obviously Man United getting two goals in the last five minutes. I was thinking we could have done something similar, but it just wasn't to be being in the Northeast, crowd weather. I know we sometimes make a joke and laugh about it, but I think with the fact that it was pissing it down, didn't help conditions. The ball was just skidding away from players. 
And mm. yeah, I just I just think it wasn't meant to be last night, sadly. But we were pretty much under the cosh first half. Um, I thought I thought we came out a bit better in the second half, but I think the way Dortmund lined up, I think they had a ten that was just kind of coming in between our lines and then picking up the ball. I think we found it quite hard to break that down. Really, I, it, it sadly showed last night, and I think they've obviously done their homework on us because I think mm-hmm. they found us out pretty quickly because we weren't really able to get trips on the ball as much and whip those crosses in. But yeah, sadly, it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, I noticed that as well. And, and Hodge, would be interested to hear your thoughts, given that you were there watching it live. Obviously, two changes from the team that thumped Crystal Palace 4 0. You had Miggy and Isaac coming in for Wilson and Murphy. As Ali said, it felt like they had us figured out, like we had no time on the ball. I saw very little of Bruno, very little of Trippier, as we say. I feel like our deliveries, our set piece deliveries, weren't really that good. We kept trying to put them on top of the goalkeeper, but the goalkeeper was very comfortable dealing with them. Like, what was different for you? What what did we get wrong? For me, yeah, okay. Isaac for Wilson, there's uh, not similar, but in terms of like their stature and, and and how they play a game, they're they're very similar. You're going to get a good output from either. So I wasn't too bothered about that. You're going to say shock here, but I don't think Miggy should have started. Um, I think <laughs> Miggy was pretty poor all game. When it comes to when it comes to playing these types of games, you need to have someone who's quite comfortable with both feet. Miggy is not comfortable with his right foot, and it really wow. really irks me. Uh, that we that we started that like to me just just a, a, a big no and a big kind of red flag for it really didn't do too badly against PSG though did he sometimes it might work and sometimes it might not but I think just in terms of consistency which is an absolute key for us at the minute we need to have someone who can bust it down to the right hand side byline and whip something in not where Miggy yeah. has to cut back in cut back in and then get across in like it just it ruins that momentum which you need to do against teams like Dortmund because. Mm-hmm. Credit to them, they were electric when they broke away. Really good. And they had a couple of chances that came on down that kind of left-hand side where they've just cut it back. My point proven, they did it. They had a left-footed player on the left side who ran all the way down and cut in, cut the, cut the ball in, back across, and they had a couple of chances that were very similar. We could have had a similar thing with if we had Murphy potentially on that right-hand side rather than Miggy trying to cut back to slow it down to whip something in. That's just a thing that, or one kind of tactic point that annoys me. You can do that against the weaker teams. In the Premier League, no shadow of a doubt. But when it comes to playing top, top teams, I don't think we can. I think it's a good point. And we did that really effectively. I mean, Miggy has his good games. He has his bad games. That's fine. Talk about consistency. You're always going to get that with Tony Gordon on the left-hand side. Thought he had another very good game yesterday. Was unlucky not to score. Could argue. Probably should have done better with some of his chances. Ashford Wilson, when he's pretty much one-on-one, fires it straight at the goalkeeper. Still living on that now. But... I think you've got a point in that when you do play someone like Jacob Murphy, and it could have just been that he had the game of his life against Palace, but he's that guy that puts those early balls in the box. So against Palace, he he runs at the box, puts an early ball in, finds Gordon at the back stick, finishes it. And for Wilson's goal. And for Wilson's goal, yeah. So Trippier sets him on his way, plays that early ball, which is fantastic, puts him through on goal and he finishes it. Yeah, we probably could have, you're right, Dortmund hit us really hard when hitting us on the break and that's where they were looking the most dangerous. I thought their Schlotterbeck was really good and mm-hmm. it was ultimately his fantastic tackle, I think against either Longstaff or Bruno, can't remember. Gordon. Yeah, he dispossesses Gordon and just pushes forward in that kind of run that you would expect from someone like Fabian Cher and that leads to their goal and it's annoying that it's that Nemecha lad who we were supposedly interested in in summer 
that finishes really well, slots at the bottom corner. I thought it was a very tight game on the balance of things. Uh, it could have gone either way, and it probably, sh- I don't know, I was going to say a draw feels right, but is that just as an embittered Newcastle fan and the fact we hit the bar three times? But any positives to take from the game, Ali? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Anthony Gordon, again, sensational. As every game passes, I just kind of run out of superlatives for the guy. He's just an engine. He gives us all for the shirt, which is always what we ask for. And yeah, again, it was great to see him put out a great performance. Mm. I thought he was very unlucky not to get a goal. I know he had a chance in the opening five minutes, which brought out a good save. And then obviously in the last few minutes where his shot deflected onto the bar. Again, I thought he was a fantastic player. And we're very, very lucky to have him. And I can see why we forked out the money that we did. I actually think another positive was Matty Target. For his brief cameo, what a ball. I think we had a free kick out left. He whipped it in and literally he put it on the spot. And if Callum Wilson maybe jumped at the right time, maybe got it got the header underneath the crossbar, but again, mm. cannoned off the crossbar and wasn't meant to be. But I think that his his contribution was very, very positive when he came on as well. After the full 90 minutes, those were the main two positives. I think for me, it was more a game of negatives than positives, but hopefully, yeah, we can now focus on the game against Wolves in the Premier League. Indeed. I mean, in terms of other positives, you touched on it before as well. Joe Willock, Willockinho coming back. Yeah. He is a very welcome return given the situation of Tonali. Hopefully he will burst back onto the scene like a new signing. Yeah. Obviously going to be difficult for him to get back up to full match speed. So yesterday we can't really look at his performance in too much detail. But on the flip side of it, Hodge, the, the slightly negatives, or I say slightly negatives, um, it wasn't a good game for injuries, was it? No. Uh, Murphy dislocated his shoulder. Uh, Isaac's aggravated a, a niggle, groin? niggling groin injury that he's had. Yeah, yeah. so uh, not not amazing, but... Make you say a flip the coin. We've got we've got some people coming back as well. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, especially with some hard fixtures. I think we'll get onto it. But Wolves have been turning their fortunes around, been playing quite well. We've got Man United, who depend. Well, not sure who's going to turn up on the day for them, really. But then Arsenal, obviously coming in uh, at the back of that three fixture run, mm. is uh, that's going to be a, a very tricky game because they are going <laughs> to be up for up for that league again. League title push. Ali barking earlier in the podcast, and now you've got dog toys squeaking in the background. Yeah. <laughs> someone, someone you want to tell us, Ali? <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> sorry, sorry, man. Well, I do my spare time. It's none of your business. Right? Yeah, you're on the you're on the fucking clock. Yeah, sorry, Hodge. Did you have something else to say? <laughs> yeah, I do have kind of one or two points to make or questions to ask. Really, yeah, go on to both of you. Should Gordon have scored in the first ten minutes there when he had a ball? Pl- yes. uh, Miggy got tackled but knocked it through to Isaac. Isaac played it through. Gray was on the, of the opinion that the keeper did very well. I think. I was a faux par from Gordon there. I think he should have scored, but I want to get your opinions. Probably makes the goalkeeper look good by firing it straight at him. Mm-hmm. I think the form of Gordon's in, I would have put my house on him finishing that. I remember he was threw on goal against Liverpool earlier in the season and, and quite easily dealt with that. Yeah, he should be putting that round the goalkeeper in my opinion, but good if Ali were to argue with me. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not, sadly. Good, mate. Good. I'm not here to argue with you. <laughs> I would agree with you. Um, I think... Giving his overall performance, I would have liked to have seen him uh, do better with the effort. But again, I guess the angle was quite tight. And again, I think, as you say, he's made the keeper look quite good. I think any other day, that would have been a goal, I think. But yeah, yesterday just wasn't meant to be. Uh, obviously, if you guys are at home or in a pub or whatever watching, you might have the luxury of commentary. I just wanted to find out what the crack was for the penalty shout for Miggy. Watching it back, I don't really think it's a penalty, but... What was the kind of feedback from the commentators with that one? They didn't say anything. They didn't really make a big deal out of it. I remember sitting there. I was watching it at home. <laughs> proper armchair fan, jumping up and down, screaming. Why is Squeaking that not, your dog you know, why is that not being looked at <laughs> Barking. It was, yeah. <laughs> I was kind of sat there in disbelief, really. Um, but I thought it should have been given. I'm seeing a lot of conflicting reports to say that it should, you know, rightly was waved away. But some people were also questioning why it hadn't been looked at. But I'm more perplexed as to why yes. Callum Wilson being pulled down yeah. outside yeah. the box in the last 10, 15 minutes was not looked at Very or bad. considered, yeah. considering the referee was looking at it directly. The commentators, even they were like taking the piss because they're like, to be fair, that's quite difficult for the referee to see from his angle being ironic because the referee was stood right next to it, fucking watching it directly. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really bad call from the referee. And when he's like doing the whole like waving at Wilson to get up as if he's like cheating or simulating, like shut the fuck up, man. Yeah, that was bad. Just to bring it back to the French stuff, my French tutor is actually a PSG fan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> made it quite awkward yesterday. <sighs> he uh, he basically rattled off in the first five minutes talking about how the refereeing was really bad in the in the PSG game. I weirdly remember the refereeing being really good and there not being anything wrong with it. Uh, Hodge, I don't, Hodge, I don't know if you remember anything about the, the refereeing in that game. I wonder why. But yeah, I, I think hard done by, but really would that have tipped the balance? Probably not. Um, as I say, I, my opinion is like the match could have gone either way, really. I yeah. felt like a draw would have probably been fair, but I think it's a, a testament to where we are that we're, you know, we're playing some of the elite teams in Europe and we're making our own way and fighting to stay at the top of the Champions League group that we're in that was, you know, christened the group of death and we're really making a good go of it. I think when that name was drawn out of the ball by, who was it? Was it Eric Abadal that fucked us over? I think so, yeah. Or was it Joe Cole? I can't remember. But who knew at that stage when we all thought, okay, we're, we're straight out that we'd be in with a fighting chance of progressing? Not me, certainly. So obviously, disappointing one on the results front, disappointing one on the injuries front. I think Elliot Anderson has also picked up a bit of an injury, so maybe out for a little bit longer. Hopefully, we see the return of Sven Botman fairly soon as well, but Jamal Lascelles has stepped in and done quite a good job when he's been called upon. The next one, the big elephant in the room, is obviously today's news that Sandro Tonali has been given a a 10-month ban from football. 
I think the exact reason is that they were betting on an illegal betting website or something. I'm not sure it was anything to do with betting on games or games he was playing in, but please correct me if I'm wrong if you read something else, but my understanding is that it was for using like illegal betting websites. But yes, it's been confirmed that he'll be banned for 10 months, so that's effectively his season over. He will be allowed to train with the first team squad, I think, and will be allowed to participate in friendlies. But in terms of Premier League, the Cup and Champions League, that's the season over for our £55 million marquee summer signing. Just when you think the season couldn't get any more Newcastle United, we come crashing back down, don't we? Obviously very disappointing for all of us, but Hodge, do you want to I mean, kick off your thoughts? It's been rumbling in the background, hasn't it? But it's just sad to see it finally confirmed. Place a number of bets on Milan to win games that he was involved in is a bit of a fucking stupid <laughs> thing to do. Is that what it was? That was what it was, yeah. So it was a legal the legal betting <laughs> term is it's not because of a illegal site, it was he was betting on games that he was going to be directly involved in. Mm. He's backing himself. He's saying they're gonna win. So like it's not necessarily he's trying to throw it, but at the same time he can't be doing that. I think he's been led down the path by a couple of people. I think hearing about a little bit in depth, I think, is it Niccolo uh, Zanillo event, uh, from, from Villa. Villa and then yeah. Niccolo mm. Fagioli in Juve, is it? Yeah, I think he's been kind of led down the wrong path by one of those, is what I think the reports kind of say. I mean, surely someone who knows him better could have maybe stepped in. It's, it's a hard one because... If he has got a gambling problem, then it's a it's a to to quit something like that is is going to be very very tricky for the lad. And I hope mm-hmm. he learns from it. The good thing is, it's not a complete ban like Ivan Tony. He can train with the club, yeah. So I reckon he'll probably still spend most of his time in Newcastle. Or if he does go home, he'll have someone following him with a with a stopwatch and a whistle to make sure he keeps fit. Yeah, it is very disappointing. But you make a good point, Hodge. Like he has a gambling addiction which is nothing to be joked about or taken the piss out of. He's clearly struggling. It's like any other addiction. He needs help and support from the club and from people around him to yeah, get 100%. through it and, and get past it. I think as part of his ban or as part of what the, the Italian Football Federation have said is he's also got to attend treatment sessions for problem gamblers, which I think is really good and, and constructive. And he's also, I think, got to give some talks about his experience so he's, I think, got to give something back to the community, which I think is a good thing. These footballers, you know, it's very nice for them to sit on their big wages every week without giving back. But if he can do something productive, I think this is good and probably helps him get through. So I think the support from the club has been fantastic. I think obviously Eddie Howe is going to be a man that throws, mm. you know, what was his quote? We need to throw all of our arms around him, which was really quite amazing to see at the Crystal Palace game. Even when he came out to warm up, obviously he started the game on the bench, came on later. When he came out to warm up, the whole stadium erupted, probably louder than some of our goal celebrations when he came out. The whole club was behind him. And when he came on, the Sandra Tonali songs didn't stop. And I think Kieran Trippier, when they're doing the lap of honour at the end of the game, pushed Sandro out in front of the whole team so he could take his round of applause. I think hopefully Sandro feels backed and he feels supported by the club and he knows that the fans will be right behind him. Hopefully something he can put behind him, Ali. I mean, he's 23 years old, not probably quite in his prime yet, but a really disappointing one to to see him just as he's getting up to really game speed and Eddie Howe speed, right? Of course. And I mean, I think the, the ban is just, 10-month ban is, uh, I think, reflects his actions and obviously you know, eight months in rehabilitation as well, which 
we'll hopefully see him on the right track come August when he's back in training to then hopefully play towards the start of next season. But I really feel for the guy. He's obviously just come to the club. He's just finding his feet, getting used to his new surroundings. The silver lining here is that he can still train with the team. And I think that is huge. I think the fact that he's able to train, he will still be able to integrate. I think that's a big positive. And one thing as well, what I've thought was really nice yeah. gesture is Paul Merson. Indeed. I know he's obviously been through the mill with gambling addiction as well. And for him to kind of come out and rally behind Tonali has been really nice to see from another ex-professional footballer who's obviously experienced similar problems. So yeah, to see him come out and get behind Tonali as well has been uh, really good to see. You're totally right. And it is, it's quite a heartwarming, but I think there's, there's definitely a fundamental issue. I'm reading about it more now and Hodge, yeah, you're obviously right. I think the silver lining is, as we say, he now has to go and make at least 16 public appearances at centres for young soccer players and associations for recovering addicts. Is there ultimately a fundamental issue with betting within the game of football? I mean, I think they did a pie chart not long ago, the number of teams that are sponsored by gambling and betting companies. The two are pretty much interlinked, synonymous and reliant on each other, right? There's no football without betting and there's no betting without football. Is there a fundamental issue there? Is there a sense of the inevitable that you know players are going to gamble and that this is always going to be a problem, Hodge? But what's the first topic when you go to the pub and you see your pals? You go, you got your accumulator on. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like exactly, it is. It goes hand in hand. I think there's talk about Newcastle that are reportedly set to stop paying Tenali's wages while he's facing a ban, but they're also threatening legal action against AC Milan. I don't know how true these reports are going to be, but I think the main underlying point is that AC Milan might have known about this earlier and have just not disclosed anything to Newcastle. So I think they're going to try and, or what what people are saying is they're going to try and sue them for withholding information on a sale of a player. And that might affect it. So I don't know how it's going to go or or where it's come from, but I'm sure if PIF have a a sniff of something that they think they're going to win, I'm sure they'd uh, pour everything into it to get it settled. Is that good for anyone though? You know, to, dr- to drag it out and make it more of a deal, and it, who does that benefit really? Well, like you say, like he's twenty three, he is young, he's still got plenty ahead of him. As long as he can maintain and keep his head above the water while the club and everyone around him helps us kick his legs to keep him in that situation, then for me, just let it lie. <laughs> really, mm. yeah. So, I mean, it's a very, very tricky, sticky situation. Isn't it? It is. The one thing that really winds me up is that Sandra has got a 10-month ban, but you know it could have been anywhere up to three years, apparently. Luis Suarez was banned for eight games for racially abusing Patrice Evra. And then 10 games for a bite. 10 games somebody. for biting Branislav Ivanovic, I yeah. think it was. And he, and he no, bit was someone Chiellini. else. He bo- yeah, yeah, he bit, bit Chiellini bit too, and yeah, yeah. Ivanovic, yeah. yeah but got 10 match bans. Yeah. How is that fair? What what world are we living in that someone for going and placing a bet are castigated or, or made to look more of a villain than someone who's racially abused someone and physically assaulted someone? Mm. They really probably need to be giving their fucking heads a wobble. Admittedly, it's different governing bodies, I think, but in, in what fucking world? You got Ivan Tony ultimately in the prime of his life missing out on huge sways of the season for the same reason, and you've got 
fucking abusive racists walking around, you know, being hailed as heroes after serving a 10-match ban. Something just doesn't really sit right with me on that one. And be interesting to see what the other guys get because they haven't uh, had their ban served to them yet. This must be like a an undercovering of some bigger operation, right? It can't just be must this. Be, yeah. It can't just be this Juventus lad, Zaniolo, and and Tonali. There must be more. Mm. Who knows? Who knows? Hey, well, what a bitter note to 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 land on. Hopefully, someone can cheer us up. Well. <laughs> Look no further. Everyone loves a good stat, don't they? And I've got a <laughs> stat for you here. So, I mean, it's still it's still a bit of a downer note, really. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, but it, it is. I thought it was quite interesting. It's the defeat to Dortmund is the first major European match since March 2003 against Barcelona that Newcastle lost at St. James's. We went 24 unbeaten. So we won 19 and drew five. Oh, wow. Between that time. Which is quite good if you think about it, because we haven't actually been in Europe that long <laughs> in in between <laughs> yeah, those yeah. dates from two thousand three to now. I mean, it's over now, as you say, but thanks for started that start, again. <laughs> yeah. I just seen it. And I was like, the lads are like that. <laughs> no, I saw I saw another stat today, which I thought was quite cool. We apparently broke a twenty eight year European record in the Champions League by fielding ten English players throughout oh, the game. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I did think that when I was watching it. Um, obviously, you got Murphy coming on and going straight off again. Um, but yeah, <laughs> ten, 10 English players, Willock, Murphy, Target, Byrne, Wilson, Longstaff, Trippier, Pope, Lascelles and Gordon. The most fielded by a team in the Champions League since Blackburn in 1995. Oof, wow, 95, um, damn. Really going back, aren't we? Yeah, brilliant. Anyway, right, that, that's enough of, of the matches and the Tonali stuff. We, we move on, hopefully onwards and upwards. Next match, as I mentioned, is this Saturday. So Saturday, the 28th of October against Wolves at Molyneux, a resurgent Wolves under Gary O'Neill. I suppose we'd probably do our, uh, sorry, what did you call them, Hodge? Predickens. Predickens. So we'll do our predickens. <laughs> Go on, Hodge, do you want to kick us off? What are your thoughts ahead of the Wolves game? I think Wolves have... Turning their fortunes around, I've seen the Spurs-Fulham game on Monday and before that they had their manager on talking through tactics of how they managed to beat Bournemouth and then get points off Man City as well. Yeah. And he, he definitely knows his shit. So after seeing that, I'm a little bit more <laughs> reserved. But I think we will bounce back. I don't think we played very bad against Dortmund. I think it was just a, a kind of a bit of a circumstances type thing. Lady Luck wasn't on our side. So I'm confident that we're going to do 2-0 win away from home at Wolverhampton. Hell, bloody hell. What, what is it in Cape Town or something, Will? <laughs> <laughs> Go on, then you do the accent. Go on, let's have a like that. Absolutely not. I can't do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like some budget Peaky Blinders shit. <laughs> no fighting. <laughs> no, no fucking fighting. Peaky fucking blood. No, I can't do it either. Fucking <laughs> Ali, save me from this misery. What are your thoughts ahead of the Wolves game? <laughs> I I think we'll also win, but I think we will concede. So I'm going to go 2-1 Newcastle. That Cunha has been causing a lot of trouble for them, hasn't he? The lad up front doesn't necessarily get loads of goals in a season, but he's been causing lots of trouble for team. Bit of a workhorse. They've got Pedro Neto as well, don't they? They've got that massive striker that's just come back as well. So yeah, I do think uh, I agree with Ali. They've got that Hua, was it? Huang Hee-chan. That's yeah. the one. Thank you very much. The Korean guy, as, uh, <laughs> as Pep Guardiola called him. Yeah, I think he's got goals in him as well. 
So I think it's going to be a challenge. I think they will score, but likewise, I'm hopeful that we'll win. And I think it'll be a three-one to Newcastle United. Gray said ten-nil yesterday at the match. Did he? That sounds <laughs> yeah, more like yeah. Gray. Yeah. I mean, it's not out of the realms of fucking ridiculous, isn't it? Having won eight-nil already this season, uh, we've only got our own goals to beat. But that just about rounds us up for this one, and we'll go and place our bets now. And I guess all that's left to say is thank you all very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Au revoir. Ciao. Bye. We didn't mention 10,000 listens. Oh, no. We didn't. (laughs) Fuck. Congrats. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.